Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us in verse 20 of chapter 3, and I'm not going to read the full chapter because it was already read, but, uh, or the, the passage that was read, um, I think it, it was clear to us, and I just want to read verse 20. It says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Paul is in jail. At first glance, there's really not much to be joyful about. If you read this book, the book of Philippians, you'll find out very quickly that Paul has in mind some major themes in the book. He talks a lot about rejoicing. He's calling his readers to look away from outward circumstances, to look far beyond those circumstances to the wonderful nature of the gospel. And he talks about joy or words having to do with joy at least 20 times in the book of Philippians. And in this epistle, you would think that Paul would write about suffering, a lot about suffering because he's in jail, but he goes on to say things like rejoice always. And it's clear to me that Paul's perspective was very different than those around him in that time, and he, his perspective was quite different than the perspective of many people living in our age today who look around and all they see is doom and gloom. The people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, is called to be a joyful people. They're called to be a witnessing people, an optimistic people. They're called to be a people of faith. And they're called to be a people that shines, that's salt of the earth, even in the most difficult hours. Now, he also talks about citizenship. In chapter 1, there seems to be a reference to it, and in chapter 3 and verse 20, there's a clear reference to it about our citizenship in heaven. And I, was, believe, I believe I was moved by the Holy Spirit to prepare a message for all of us tonight that talks about our citizenship as Christians. And if I would put a title to my message, it would be Citizens of Another Kingdom. And what I have in mind is part of what I preached in uh, Portland last weekend, I was out there, and thank you for your prayers, ministering to a young people there at a conference, and so this message is a slight derivation of that message. It's a message that deals with the, our citizenship in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus is, in, Jesus is coming. Obviously, he's returning. Obviously, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we know that there is an already but not yet component to that. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that the kingdom of heaven, uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. And Jesus also preached in the gospels and he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. So in one sense, we see in the gospels that the kingdom of God was there. And in one other sense, we see that there was a to come component of that kingdom. There was a, a, a future component of that kingdom. Somebody once said that the kingdom of God does not exist because of our effort or mine. It exists because God reigns. Our part is to enter this kingdom and bring life under his sovereign will. When you read the Bible about the kingdom of God, when you study, you'll find that the Bible talks about things like entering the kingdom, possessing the kingdom, laying hold of the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom. I struggle to find references that say things like building the kingdom, 
right? There are references to building the church and being a builder and, and those kinds of things. But it's the church of Jesus Christ that is being built by Jesus Christ and that church enters the kingdom. Those who are born again enter the kingdom of God. The Bible calls that conversion. And that's one of the first things that we learn about the kingdom of God. It's because Jesus said in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. And in the book of Luke, Jesus said to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus also said in another passage in Luke 11, but if it is by the finger of God that I can cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. His point was that wherever he is and where he is working, there King Jesus rules. There the kingdom of God is. Wherever he is and the kingdom of God is, people are saved, they're redeemed, they're washed, they're given you hope. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. And when Jesus came to the earth, he inaugurated the kingdom of God. That was the inauguration when he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent. It's the beginning of entering the kingdom is repentance and faith in Christ. And Jesus said that if we are not born of spirit and of water, no man can enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to be born again. When we place our faith in Christ, when we repent of our sin, we are born again. And Paul tells us that we are new creations. The old is gone, everything is new, and we have entered the kingdom. We are there. We are citizens of the kingdom. And as citizens of the kingdom, we have certain responsibilities, we have certain privileges, we have certain rights, we have the, the protection in that kingdom, we have God's protection over our lives. Now, I want to give you some additional facts about any general kingdom. In any general kingdom, there are about, I would say, at least four main components. There's a king, there are citizens, there are laws, and there's a territory for a kingdom to exist. And in the Bible, we see that all of those four elements are true of the kingdom of God. Number one, Jesus is king. Because the Bible says in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, I do have a kingdom, Jesus is saying. Jesus does have a kingdom, and he preached about that kingdom. And we read the passages in Luke. Secondly, we mentioned that there are citizens in a kingdom. We are the citizens of the kingdom. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He can't be a citizen. But what did Paul say? But our citizenship in our passage is in heaven and from it we await a savior. We have a, a place in the kingdom as the citizens of God. What about the ethics or the laws of that kingdom, thirdly? Jesus talks a lot about the ethics of the kingdom of God or the, the ways of the kingdom in the book of Matthew, especially in chapter five to seven, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about the life of the kingdom. Some will be great in the kingdom, some will be least in the kingdom because some hear and maybe don't practice, right? But others who hear and they put those laws or ethics of the kingdom into practice are great in the kingdom. There is a way of life in the kingdom. And that's why Paul was able to say when he wrote to the Romans, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of what? But of righteousness, but of peace, and of joy in the Holy Spirit. 
Kingdom life is a life of joy and peace and righteousness. When Jesus the King reigns in your heart, that's what happens because your heart is, fourthly, the territory where it all begins, here and now. Because there is a future component of the kingdom that's coming which will be visible and external, but right now he reigns in our hearts and he is the king of our hearts. And what happens is that when he reigns in our hearts, when Jesus becomes the king of our hearts and our minds, that reign, that rule in his heart, when we say thy kingdom come, what we're saying is Jesus Come first and foremost in my heart and reign in me. Because when, you, when he starts to reign in you, and when he starts to manifest in you, we see what happens in the book of Acts. If you want to look at a manifestation of the kingdom of God in a practical way, you read the book of Acts. It starts with the disciples asking, will you now restore the kingdom in chapter 1? And Jesus said, it's not your business to, to know seasons right now, but you will be my witnesses. And it also ends in chapter 28 with Paul preaching what? The kingdom. And you have this picture in the book of Acts of the kingdom of God being manifested through the disciples as they're praying and as they're suffering as citizens of the kingdom, as they're proclaiming the kingdom, as they're showing hospitality and sacrifice in the kingdom, you see the kingdom of God being manifested in the book of Acts. Very important for us to understand tonight that we are citizens of the kingdom. We are citizens of the kingdom. In our country today, in the U.S., if you want to become a citizen, you can become a citizen in different ways. I'm just using the U.S. as an example. There are other countries in the world, obviously. One can become a citizen through birth, born on U.S. soil. You become a citizen because you are born in the U.S. You can become a citizen through acquisition. One or two parents were U.S. citizens at one time. Or through derivation, right? Deriving citizen, citizenship following a parent's naturalization. So a parent comes into the country, becomes a citizen. You as a child become a citizen. And fourthly, through naturalization. When I moved to the United States in 2009, I became a citizen and that was through naturalization. I was naturalized. I would say that when we become citizens in the kingdom of heaven, we become supernaturalized, if I could put it that way. We become citizens through a supernatural act of God. It's through the birth that is produced by the Holy Spirit in us. The Spirit of God comes and gives a, a conviction over sin. He convinces us that we need to repent. He convinces us that we need to place our faith in Christ. And the Bible says that all that the Father draws, gives to me, will come to me and I will not cast them out. We run to Jesus and we become citizens of the kingdom. We become citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we are new creations. But there are practical aspects of being kingdom citizens. Citizens of heaven are very different in a lot of ways than the citizens of the world. Citizens of heaven are very different than the people at times in their workplaces, in their school places, in their public settings. At least they're called to be. One of the problems that I see in the United States of America, one of the problems that I see in our country that we want to experience the revival of God is that we've blended in too much as American citizens, and it is a blessing to be a citizen of this country, this great nation, don't get me wrong, but I believe that we have lost 
our compass, our understanding of the importance of being a kingdom citizen first. My desire is that in my heart, the reality of me being a kingdom citizen would be resurrected, renewed before my eyes so that I understand that I am first a kingdom citizen and then a kingdom or a citizen of the United States. I am first and foremost a citizen of heaven and that has practical implications. That has very practical implications. And what are they? In chapter one in this passage in Philippians, the Bible says in verse 27, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. As citizens of the kingdom, we are called upon to live worthy. Now I, I highlight this word worthy because we hear a message today in many churches that says nobody is entirely worthy. And in a sense, that's true because when you hear the gospel, the gospel and salvation cannot be earned. God gives it as a free gift of grace through faith so that no one may boast. However, what happens after somebody does receive the gospel and is saved is that they begin to move towards a trajectory, a lifestyle of worthiness. And that's why Paul says, only let your manner live be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does he mean? That we should walk in a way that demonstrates the extreme value, the extreme worth of the gospel in our lives. How does it look practically? Let's get practical. Paul was writing to the, uh, to the Corinthians and he says, I keep my body in subjection. Paul knew he was a kingdom citizen. He knew that he had to say no to the flesh. He said, I would buffet my body. I would keep it under control so that after I have preached to someone else, I myself would not be, the right word is disqualified. Practically speaking, living worthy of the kingdom means saying no to the flesh. Being a kingdom of the citizens saying, means saying no to the devil, secondly. The Bible tells us resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible teaches us to beware of our adversary, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Living as a kingdom citizen means saying no to the devil and resisting him. Living as a kingdom citizen means saying no to the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, I wonder if they're a kingdom citizen. Because what I know about kingdom citizens and when I read the book of Acts, I see a group of kingdom citizens who loved the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. They loved the thought of being with Christ. They loved the thought of being in eternity with him. They were so, they were so mesmerized by the person of Christ that they were able to sell their possessions and give them to those who did not have because that's what happens in the kingdom of Christ is that when somebody lacks, a kingdom citizen will take what he has or she has and give to that person. They were so mesmerized by the person of Christ that they were willing to go, history tells us, into the arenas and they were able to be burned at the stake while singing songs of praise with smiles on their faces that they were counted worthy of suffering for the gospel of Christ. That's what kingdom citizenship is all about. We see Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. Everybody's running through to and fro in Philippi. 
And we see a demon-possessed girl with a spirit of divination. We see Lydia, a businesswoman who is so well-off probably. And we see a jailer who is so crude and harsh. And when they came into contact with the gospel, with the message of Christ, because kingdom citizens were focused on kingdom duties, what happened? Lydia received the, the word of the Lord in her heart. The jailer received the gospel. The spirit of divination was driven out. Why? Because there were kingdom citizens that were busy about their father's business. They were seeking Christ. They were seeking his word. They were seeking his ways, his will. We are to live secondly with firm standing as kingdom citizens. We know our citizenship is in heaven, but there's a certain stability and consistency in living as a citizen of heaven right now, especially in a difficult time such as this. When everything around us is so difficult, when everything around us is just all over the place. I believe that we're still serving a God who can heal, who can empower, who can save, who can redeem, who can restore. I experienced a deliverance myself. However small this is, I want to testify tonight that when I was preaching in Portland last weekend and I shared to some brothers and some young people, I was in a back room praying before the start of the service with some brothers and sisters, pastors, leaders in the church, and we were praying for the conference and as I was there standing, a sister of the Lord came to me with a green dress, and she said she was wearing a green dress, and that's all I remember, but, but she said, listen, I saw you, you had, in a vision, you were holding your back. And God says that as soon as you step on that stage to preach the gospel, everything will be okay. I want to tell you responsibly, without fabricating anything, I went to my pew right before I started to preach, and my back started to hurt. Because I have a history of kidney stones, and I don't know if that was it, but I had pain. And I want to testify tonight that as soon as I went onto the stage, the pain left, and I was able to preach glory to Jesus. Because listen, God makes promises even today. God does the unthinkable even today. God delivers kingdom citizens even today, just like he delivered Paul and Silas out of prison, out of that darkness. We are to live firm knowing that Jesus is behind us. We are to live firm knowing that Jesus supports us. We are to live firm knowing that we have a cloud of witnesses above us. We are to live firm. Thirdly, we're to live with the right priorities as, as kingdom citizens. The Bible tells us in the book of Matthew, seek first his kingdom. Seek it first. The key word being first. And like I said, his kingdom is righteousness. It's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that should tell us if I'm going to seek the kingdom, I should seek the righteousness that comes from Christ. I should seek the joy of the Holy Spirit. I should seek the peace that surpasses all understanding. I should seek peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Fourthly, we are to live as a household member as kingdom citizens. You have to know that you belong in the kingdom. Ephesians 2.19 says this, we are no longer strangers. We are to, why? Because we are people of the kingdom. We are to approach the throne of grace with confidence. As kingdom citizens, we have the help of our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of the kingdom who intercedes for us, who's at the Father's right hand, who's with the Father, and our king is ruling over creation, and he wants us to know that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence as kingdom citizens. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you see yourself 
as a kingdom citizen? Do you see yourself as someone who actually has a citizenship signed and stamped by Jesus Christ in heaven? Do we see ourselves like that? Because if we do see ourselves like that, like it did for me, I believe it'll open up a whole new horizon, a whole new picture of what it means to live in this world. I'm just passing through. I'm, I've been supernaturalized, like I said earlier, and now I belong in the kingdom. I am seated in the heavenlies with Christ, and I must go forward focused and fixed on my king's commands and decrees. And lastly, as kingdom citizens, one day, we will arrive in the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 7, 13, 14, thinking future state, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. Hebrews 13, 14 tells us, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come, the kingdom which is to come, in other words. Beloved, this journey on the earth will probably become harder and harder as the, times go, as the time goes by, as the weeks and the months go by. I was reading just a, a while ago about a young pastor in India, 16 years of age, 16 years old. Some would say here in the West that he threw his life away because he was a pastor at 16. And Michael Brown was writing the article and he said that this pastor started to have prayer meetings in his home in India. This was recent. And he would go to the marketplace and he would sell vegetables for a living. And one day as he was selling the vegetables, a group of, I believe, some Hindus perhaps, some other religion came and they took acid and they poured it over his body. 16-year-old pastor, 85% of his body was burned. Michael Brown went to India and he had a conference there and I was reading the article and he said this, I went to the, I went to the conference and I, I asked them to raise their hands. How many of you have been assaulted physically for the kingdom of God? 75% raised their hands. Nonchalantly, like it was no big deal. Yeah, we always suffer. We always take a punch. We always take a slap. And that was, to me, that hit hard. We, we have been so pampered and so spoiled here, here in the West, but I don't know what's coming. But I know this, is that when something hard will come, you will see how the church is sifted and you will see that those who are on the fence will jump off to one side or another. And the church of Jesus Christ will begin to shine and those who are his will become brilliant white and they will become holy and they will be washed in the blood and they will be prepared for heaven because times of persecution will do that to the church. And to get into the kingdom of God, it's no easy road. Everybody will tell you in your workplace or even in churches these days, it's not that, you shouldn't be that legalistic. You shouldn't be that serious Somebody once told me, God will never ask me on the day of judgment, why were you so serious about me? He's a holy and infinite God, and he wants a people, a church that will shine, a church that, as Nate was saying, is obsessed in a positive way with Jesus. A church that is on fire, a church that is seeking and desiring to go through the fire, if necessary. And beloved, I ask myself, am I ready to go through a fire? Am I ready to go through a fire of persecution? 
Am I ready to experience what my parents experienced and what other parents experienced in Romania 30 or 40 years ago under communist regime? Am I ready to do that? Am I ready to stand up and if somebody has a, a gun pointed to my head, say, I will never denounce Christ? Am I ready to do that? Are you ready to do that? You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that through hardships one must enter the kingdom. Through hardships, citizens enter the kingdom. Because, listen, it's very easy to blend in with cultural Christianity. It's very easy to blend in with what America calls Christianity. But it's not as easy to blend in when you follow the way of Christianity as the apostles and Jesus left it. Because when you truly begin to live for Christ in your school, in your home, in your educational institution, when you start to write papers supporting the values of Christianity, you start getting F's and C's and D's instead of A's. When you start proclaiming the kingdom in the workplace, you start getting a little bit of, you start getting a little bit of opposition against you from the workplace. When you start proclaiming the kingdom in the marketplaces, you get opposition. Oh, but God has his people. God has his remnant. And I was so moved preaching at that conference. When I did the altar call, there was a little girl of eight years of age who came to the front, an eight-year-old girl. I was moved. I have a nine-year-old girl. And she responded to the gospel. An eight-year-old girl was crying with tears streaming down her face, saying, I want to receive Jesus. Because the gospel itself is, can be understood by young and old. But the thing is, is that when you enter the kingdom, you're not the same anymore. You start living differently. And you realize that there's a road of suffering ahead. And when you get mature and you grow in Christ, you realize that you have to be different. And you have to, be, you have to stand out for the kingdom of Christ. You can't be like everyone else. And Leonard Ravenhill great man of God once said, in churches today, we have so many interferers and such few intercessors. So many interferers and such few intercessors. So many people in churches today trying to play politics and interfering, causing divisions, bringing up useless issues. When the church in our day and age is called to be on its knees right now in this season of time and to intercede for government, to intercede for those who are prodigals, to intercede and to pray. Because without prayer and humility and fasting, we have no hope. And the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Do we believe that the promise of God still stands? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that he uses kingdom citizens today to bring about his purposes in the kingdom? I believe that he wants to rise up an army of young people. I was so moved by one of the visions one of our young ladies had in the church a few weeks ago of people in the community carrying sticks on their backs with a little string attached to a cup with a little bit of water in the cup. And they were walking in a desert wasteland and people were crying out, give us water, give us water. Do you know that people are broken today? 
They may not tell you in the workplace. They may not tell you in your school, but they're dying inside. They're thirsty. They have a hole in their heart that can only be filled by Christ. And who will go out and reach them if the kingdom citizens of God will not go out because they're too busy living in lukewarmness and living and loving that lukewarmness? When the church of Christ is called to arise and go out in the power of the Holy Spirit and have a voice for the lost. But in America, we are too comfortable. We've forgotten to pray. We've forgotten to spend one hour on our knees like Jesus said. Couldn't you just spend one hour? We don't even pray for our food anymore. We're so busy with soccer and piano and baseball and football and practices and birthday parties and grad parties and other things and work. And our souls are in desperate need of revival. And we're going to need the Holy Spirit to do something in us so that we can be the church and kingdom citizens as we ought to be. And beloved, I'll close and tell you this. The only way that I believe that that will happen is if we begin to wait upon the Lord again. If we learn how to wait upon the Lord, and that's why we have an opportunity Monday and Wednesday and Thursday to come and wait and seek his face. Because when we do that, Jesus promises to show up and bring deliverance and healing and forgiveness. And we all need that. We all need a refreshing touch of God. Do you believe that tonight? Then let's all stand and pray. I want us to close this evening with a prayer. May God help us understand, again, that we are kingdom citizens. We are not citizens of this world. We belong to another realm, another kingdom. We're going to another place. And that has been purchased through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as we enter this prayer in closing, I want us all to think about where we are. Maybe we have been deficient in our understanding. Maybe we have been lukewarm. Maybe we have been passive about our identity. But let this prayer be a prayer for you in which you come to Christ and say, Lord, I know the time is short. The trumpet call of God will happen soon. Jesus is coming very soon. Jesus is coming very soon. And there's no time to waste. The days are evil, says the Bible, and we must make good use of the time. Lord, let this be your prayer. God, use me. I want to be a kingdom citizen. I want to know my rights, my responsibilities. I want to seek you, and I want to be serious about it. If that's you, that I want you to pray with me tonight. All together, let's enter a, a corporate prayer in closing and ask God to bless every family in this church, every young person, every, every elderly person, every parent, and may Jesus be glorified. Amen. Let's all pray. Hallelujah.